Peter. This week, I would like to talk about oxytocin. Sweet, sweet oxytocin. We've talked about it before, right? Oxy. That's what they say on the street, right? <laughs> that is a very, I guess that's sort of in pill form. But yeah, oxytocin is often called the hugging or love hormone because when it's released in your brain, it heightens feelings of trust, empathy, and relationship building. Yeah, you could get that too. You could get that too, yeah. And instead of buying it from weird people under bridges, uh, one of the ways that you can get oxytocin naturally is reacting to loved ones, interacting with couples, uh, because when couples interact, their bodies release oxytocin. But a recent Baylor University, shout out to my bayheads, I don't know what that <laughs> Baylor University study found that levels of oxytocin were interesting in how they were released in certain activities. Now, for the study, this is, there's going to be a little game, a guessing game here. Excellent. For the study, doctors at Baylor recu- recruited 20 couples and randomly assigned each couple to participate in one of two couple dates, either a game night or a couple's art class. Now, here's the game. Let's break down this study group into four subsets. Women in the art class. Number two, women playing board games. Number three, men in the art class. Number four, men playing board games. If you had to guess... Which of these four subsets experienced the highest level of oxytocin release in their bodies during these activities? It's going to be the ladies. Okay. How come? And it's not the board games. So women art. Why do you think that? Because of all of the incredible stereotypes that are floating through my head right now. (laughs) (laughs) The honesty is wonderful. I appreciate that. Yes. It was men in the art class. Really? Two to three times more oxytocin than any of the other groups. I mean, with a bullet. Ladies are stone cold. Uh, it started, it was first men in the art class, then women playing board games, women in the art class, and men playing board games. But those last three were like pretty much dead even. So it's just men in the art class are through the roof. And I, they don't know why exactly. Wow. But I, I would have voted like you also because misogyny. No, I don't know. Why. It's <laughs> That's not misogyny. Not misogyny. Uh, we need to invent a board game that is a, involving paint. Oh, there is one. <laughs> it's Pictionary. I forgot. Someone's already... <laughs> Yeah, okay, all, take that off the drawing. The men were p- playing, you know, Risk, right? I mean, like the worst right. game uh, yes, or exactly. Monopoly, like the worst of the worst games. Uh, <laughs> I still like Monopoly. If you get the Reds, you, that's the key. You would. It's the red. You would. Um, one other thing that came out of the uh, study was that one of the big uh, influences was also that the couples in a novel setting, like Out and About for the art class, released a lot more oxytocin than a familiar home-like environment, suggesting that novelty can be an important factor to consider when planning date nights. Oh, I like that. Yeah, so get out and about, bring some paint. (laughs) Get ready to get (laughs) oxy-freaky. Make me work, make me sweat inside, make me feel like I'm alive. Take this hurt, lady, throw it in my face, don't let these bones slow you down. Welcome to What's That Smell, a sometimes funny podcast about humans and their anxieties. I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Tommy Metz III. And every week, we each drag one of our deepest, darkest anxieties into the light to share it, learn about it, and hopefully laugh about it with all of you. Reach out! Send us the story of your anxieties to something stinky at whatsthatsmell.net. We'd like to talk about you and laugh with you. And with that, I'll go first.
Tommy. Oh. You and your friends have been charged with treason by the British Empire. They have detained you in a guarded field tent while they ready the firing squad for another Boston massacre at dawn. An American sympathizer has left you clues to distract the guards and escape. You have 60 minutes until the sun breaks over the harbor. May God have mercy on your soul. (laughs) Wow. Which (laughs) podcast is this? (laughs) How do you feel? Uh, That was very exciting. Did I do a good job? I feel, yeah, you did a very good job. It felt like a game. I like that. That Tom, I'm so glad you said that. What? This weekend, I did my first escape room. Oh, really? Yeah, you just (laughs) heard the description. Uh, Oh, what was it called? It was called The American Revolution. I didn't know they did historic. Well, yeah, I guess they do with them all sorts of places. I've done two, but that sounds like a good one. What have you done? One was, oh, it was like you were in a noir uh, detective's agency room mm-hmm. office mm-hmm. and you were trying to find diamonds that were hidden in a safe before gangsters who kept calling you on the phone come in with guns and shoot you oh fun okay and then there was another one and i can't remember <laughs> what it is right now which is weird i don't know why i can't figure it out but yeah there was another one now were these in los angeles yes okay and, and what were the what was the context tell me about the experience of, of like the social experience did you go with friends or was it just a thing you went alone and joined some other friends who didn't know you <laughs> how did that work i woke up in it which <laughs> was just really weird i think it was an escape room no uh one i went with there was a friend of mine that was having a birthday party so i only really knew her and her husband all the other people uh, i did not know we did not do well <laughs> Uh, at one point, if you don't get out, there is someone that comes in and tells you all the things you did right and all the things you did wrong. Yeah. And at one point, she did point at me and go, you were told the answer twice and you didn't <laughs> listen to anyone. And I was like, I don't I need to escape from you, lady. Like, that sucks. But then another one we went on with friend of the show, uh, Joy, friend of the Joe, Johnny Jackaloni, and we did great. We got out with like four minutes to spare. That's the one I can't remember what the theme was, but it was a lot of fun. Oh, good. So you enjoy the experience. Love it. Oh, I love it. I have to sometimes remind myself to calm down. Not like I get angry, but I do. I really throw myself into it in wanting to like live in the experience. And that can be very stressful. So I have to remind myself to have fun. And look at it from a little bit of a remove and not be like, I got to get out of here. We got to beat feet because I'm like in a <laughs> you're in noir, old detective agency because I'm in a noir. Yeah. Oh, Come naturally. on, doll. Just, yeah. So uh, naturally. But no, I really, that. really, really like it. Well, I, uh, as you can imagine, given the kinds of things we've talked about over uh, the duration of the show, I would have some trouble with it. Uh, yeah. This is my no, first no one. Oxytocin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a low oxy kind of a, yeah. an event for me. Uh, I, I struggled, first of all, to get up the courage to do this thing. It was it was a dumb idea and it was mine and that makes it doubly dumb i we were trying to think about ideas to to buy uh some like an experience gift for some dear friends of ours and we thought oh i just said it i just said hey how about an escape room because i don't know youtube probably and my wife said yes before i could second guess my experience there (laughs) and suddenly (laughs) just it got out of your face yeah i got wow so fast i wanted to reel it back uh (laughs) and so uh i spent weeks kind of getting myself really down about it like i am not looking forward 
forward to this. I was secretly hoping for snow. Uh, we we got no snow. We got no snow. Is it is it outdoors? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, Portland is like I know you field. live in Los Angeles, but imagine. Oh, right. Seasons. I yeah. Forgot. Seasons are hard. And so That's it's a right. snow day today as we record this. It's a snow day because, you know, it snowed for a little bit and it's cold. I hear you, buddy. It's 60 where I am. Oh, you man, you must really be suffering. What were you so wait? But what were you so down or nervous about? Or are you going to get? To well, that? I mean, come on. Yeah, it's a special sort of performance anxiety because here you go where there are four couples uh, and yeah. two of them are ours. So I know, you know, three other people and then two couples we did not know. And they also knew themselves. Oh. So it was like it was like teams sure. immediately four and four. Yep. And, and so I have anxiety around how am I going to build the team? How am I going to help bring the team together? And then it's all kinds of stupid puzzles. Right. It's it's like things that <laughs> so there are some things in there that I'm just naturally like I'm stymied over, like as, as we're waiting in the ante room, you know, the, the sanitary antechamber. <laughs> Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, they, they have puzzles on, on the, the board, right? On this little bookshelf. And Robert, who is delightful, young, vibrant, such an actor, uh, he, mm. he came out to, uh, talk to us and give us our opening instructions and, and, uh, uh, very charming, Robert. And, uh, he, he said, you know, some of these puzzles that are out here on this shelf are puzzles that, you know, were in our first rooms that were too hard. Like, people just couldn't get them. And my buddy, who was who we were there with, who I knew, said, really? Oh, man, then I'm nervous. He said, no, they were too hard. That's why we took him out of the room. Uh, so, I mean, you can give him a shot. And my buddy picks this stupid puzzle up. The, it was one of those iron like ring on a ring on a ring thing. You have to get the ring off the ring if you can oh, get the ring I've off the ring. I've never been able to do one of those. Things. He did it about 15 seconds. What? I was so What's going mad. On, Rain Man. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. Uh, so I was not pleased with that. I was already set up for for, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the failure. Am I smart enough? Will I demonstrate aptitude? Will there be any puzzles that I can solve easy and naturally and competently? Am I being judged? Yes. The answer to that is yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, will we be able to figure out how to work together? Like, oh, my God, like it's miserable. And then they have these rules, you know, the rules. And, and I just want you to think about why they develop these rules. For example, please don't touch, manipulate, insert any object into the electrical outlets. You're in a tent. <laughs> there was no electricity during the American Revolution. None of the clues involve electricity. Oh. Who's sticking things into the electrical outlets in an escape room? Why do you need <laughs> that rule? Why does that exist? That's because someone did it clearly. Right. And, and that <laughs> leads me word. to the second stunning rule. No clues or objects are intended to be tasted, licked, or chewed. Ah! Jeez. Tom. I don't like these people. Tom. Why? <laughs> that is ridiculous. Ugh. So, uh, as you can imagine, I, I went into the valley of, of despair uh, as we go in. And, and I, it was one of those things where the, the Robert, you know, charming Robert, handsome yeah. Robert, uh, vivacious Robert, he says, hey, I need a volunteer to come into the tent with me first. And everybody pushed me. So there I am, oh, the, okay. the volunteer. And, and he explains to me uh the the initial setup is we're in the tent room and uh it, so i get a couple of of additional clues and then he says now i'd like to put you in these stocks 
Oh, <laughs> oh no. You know what the stocks are, right? The, the yeah, is that wooden, where you stick your hands? You stick your hands in your head, head and then they lock it, and then that's it. And as I'm in the stocks, he said he locks the thing, and he says, now, the clue to open the lock here is actually written uh, on the base of the stocks. And so that's the first clue everybody needs to sort of figure out. If they can get you out of the stocks, then you can begin the uh, the escape room at, uh, you know, uh, with, with haste. And yeah. So I am the first clue. Now, oh, my goodness, this was disquieting. <laughs> I would think maybe that would put you at ease because you're like taken out of like you just have to wait for the team to do stuff first. Yes. Right? So or this, was is, there this is what something... happens. This is oh, what okay. happens. The team floods into the room. Oh, wait, real, real quick. Are, are you still in the stocks? Oh, I'm now? in the stocks. Yeah. No, okay. I'm in the stocks. Yeah. Once <laughs> but the, the whole the other seven people come into the room. One person, not my wife, begins to work on the stocks clue. Everybody else goes to the wind. They all decide to do something else. <laughs> like, <laughs> and not your <sure>. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we're just gonna go explore and good luck with this with the stocks over there. So they thought you were just out of it. Yeah, right. Like you're just yeah. a part of it. Okay. Right. <laughs> That's so, terrible. Anyhow. Uh, uh so there we are in the revolution, and we've got cameras on us all over the place. It felt very much like Big Brother. The only item other than the cameras of technology, uh, besides, you know, the padlocks, the locks with all the uh mm -hmm. You know, little twisty things, or the is the giant like a uh, thirty inch uh, screen up in the corner that is has the clock on it. Oh, oh yeah, that's stressful. <laughs> oh, the clock. I I think ADHD has me triggered to watch timers obsessively, right? And countdown clocks in this scenario are super challenging. I hate yeah. being timed in a context like where I'm not in control of the clock. Uh, that that causes me great grief. And and, and you're not in control of your body. You're in stocks. Yeah, right. You're <laughs> totally. Sounds like in a stocks. nightmare for you. Yeah, no, it is so bad. Well, and the tent is slowly filling up with dirt. I assume. So. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, yeah, people are chewing things and getting electrocuted. It's just awful. Uh, now, so they eventually they figure out how to get me out of the stocks. And there's so many locks and number puzzles and picture clues and picture clues that only made sense after looking at them well in a mirror. You know, I mean, those kinds of things. The clues were very clever and in many cases. And I because I had spent the first, you know, 15 minutes in stocks that long. I didn't know what to do. Right. Like I didn't have a job. Everybody else had kind of split up into a job. And I, so I sure I literally walked in circles around this table that was sitting in the middle <laughs> of the room for minutes, like thinking it just kind of fishing. Like anybody need any help? Anybody need any help? How about you? Do you need any help? Do you, do you have this one? OK, you look from the room. Looks now? like you have. Yeah. You working on that novel there. <laughs> right. <laughs> like it was it was uh, it was really it, it was I, I, had to, oh. I had to fight some of my worst uh, things. Then I would do this. And I uh, the way I gather, I built a list of of things that happened to me that from what I gather in reading up on these things happened to everybody. And so okay. here's what happened. Tell me how this manifests with your experience. Hyper focus on it, what turns out to be a completely useless object. 100%. 100%. Right. <laughs> yep. I carried around this three corner hat thinking something <laughs> is going to relate to this stupid hat for 40 minutes. And that turns out like I wore the hat. I carried the hat. I wore the hat again yeah. thinking I'm going to be inspired. Oh, no. Didn't happen. Just walking around yeah. a table holding a holding hat. a, th a three color <laughs> a three corner hat, uh, it, which was deceiving because the jacket there was a a blue like a British jacket 
that was also in the room. And that was a clue. It had these buttons on it that lined up with some other stuff. And so that okay. was a clue. So I, I didn't feel that dumb, but it was dumb. Sure. Totally hyper focus on a useless object. Uh, furniture that was not entirely obvious that you had to turn or lift or or anything and you feel completely dumb when you actually have to ask for a clue from you know the administrator oh you can do that in yours yes there's a bell you ring a bell and then you look at the fancy modern screen and he types a response like he's watching you and he says (laughs) you know have you checked under the wink rug and you turn over the rug and literally the clue is written under the rug like you just didn't okay. know. Oh, good grief rug. So annoying. Ugh. Put down the hat. That's what he should have <laughs> he written. He never said that. <laughs> Idiot. Uh, and so giving up on stuff and then feeling dumb, you know, I mean, you give up too soon. Yeah. And it, like that's the truly thing. And then this one is my favorite that absolutely happened to me. The accidental solution where you, of mm. course, you solve something, but you don't know how you couldn't repeat it. But you take credit for it anyway. (laughs) The light just goes from red to green and you're like, like, nailed it? Yes! (laughs) Hero here! Uh, And that was this really, it was actually a fun uh, kind of a table. They had these giant boats and you had to uh, put them on this table and move them in a specific way. And if if you hit all of the spots on the table, then it was actually unlocking a a false bottom in the table and a key drops out. Right. And so that was super clever. And uh, we kind of accidentally stumbled on that. Um, Being watched, it it goes back into our, Mm. you know, gig about, uh, you know, the the omniscient sort of uh, like feeling like somebody's always watching you. That's definitely in there. Uh, Asking for help. You know, there's a sense of sort of vulnerability. How do you do that? Uh, Hardware fails. Like at at one point, there was a a set of objects that we had to line up in in a specific order. And once you do that, all the RFID tags are supposed to uh, line up and a magical signal is sent and a key drops out of a birdhouse or something. But the group before (laughs) us... The group before us broke it. So that oh, no. never it didn't work. And so we're like jamming these things in one with it. We're, we're right. We're right. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, we look up at the screen at the omniscient, you know, Robert, who is watching us. And he says, um, make a boom sound <laughs> as if as if we actually solved the puzzle and fired the cannon. Uh, and so we all said, boom. And we had 16 seconds left on the clock. And he called that an escape. And he comes in and he tells us, I'm so sorry. Like what was supposed to happen (laughs) was this key was supposed to drop out, but the group before you broke it and you were supposed to be able to go unlock this can get the cannonball and put it in the cannon and fire it. But because that broke, there was no way for you to win this puzzle. So uh, as oh, soon as oh. we yelled boom, he called that a win and, and let us out. So that was that was also upsetting. Because, right. Yeah. We'd done the work, you know, and, and uh, right. so uh, anyhow. Uh, so it, it was hard. It like challenged so many different bits of anxiety for me, different the social pressure, the performance pressure. And yet in the end, I was so grateful for the team. The other four people turned out they were plenty nice. They were just like us, like completely clueless, largely, and okay. uh, ended up having a a really positive experience, um, you know, as a result and and was able to sort of get over that stuff. And that felt that felt great, honestly. Like, this is not a thing that I, I feel like I've learned a valuable uh, I've learned a valuable lesson. And we've all grown as as as, as at, at the result of it. Is it something that you'd want to do again? 
now that you've been through it? I, I think so. But that that leads us to the second part of my conversation with oh. you today. You know, I if you remember season one, I have this fear of being buried alive. And let me tell you, there is an escape room uh, that is escape from the coffin escape room. Oh, a coffin? I kid you not. Like, yeah, you're locked in a coffin with with whatever you need to be able to get yourself out of the coffin and by yourself. By yourself. Yeah. And and wow. it, you're actually there. There are two coffins in the room side by side. It's like in a mortuary. And so you yeah. go as a couple and you each get your own coffin and you have to get your <laughs> find your way out. Wow. I really resonated against that. Like that's art not class. It. It's art class game night. <laughs> Or buried next to your loved one. Those are the three options. Exactly. Exactly. Now, I'm I'm not sure in that episode if we if you know we were talking about buried alive. If we uncovered why exactly, I'm, I'm pretty sure that we toss claustrophobia around a lot. Uh, sure. But in researching for this episode, I discovered this this related but unique phobia that has also interestingly come in mentioned by another uh, listener submission that that you know as an aside. So I'm I'm gonna throw the word in here claythrophobia claythrophobia okay claythrophobia it is the fear of being trapped and i think this is really interesting huh. uh, because i think it better describes my experience claythrophobia the fear of being trapped it's often confused with claustrophobia it's the fear of enclosed spaces but claythrophobia is at the heart of many winter related fears due to the potential risk of being trapped underneath a snowdrift or thin ice many other events might trigger claythrophobia including being inadvertently locked in a bathroom or another small room Ooh. the root word for the phobia is from the greek klythro which means to shut or close Clythrophobia is triggered by actual confinement in a space. If you have clythrophobia, you are often fully comfortable entering small areas that you are free to leave at will. Okay, so it's not claustrophobia. I get it. It's not claustrophobia. And in that in, in that regard, like one of the things I was thinking about as I was going into this experience was, oh, my God, like I, this is a locked room. What if it's really locked? What if what if we're right? It's going to trigger all of these claustrophobic things. But really, it's the anxiety that comes with the locked part. It's surprising that claustrophobia isn't more well known. The Everyone knows claustrophobia, but fear of being trapped is universal, I would think. I think so. So I thought that was an interesting thing to learn. Yeah. And in fact, it, it actually gets a little bit triggered when you talk about these experiences. And and uh, uh, for me, that was a thing to have to sort of come to the other side of to figure out, uh, hey, I, uh, you know, I'm we can solve this together. It's a, just a game. You can totally get out. And even though in my head, yeah. I knew all of these things, the anxiety that comes with like taking on the part, like you said in the beginning, like there is a natural tendency for us to to take on the role right. and and to kind of play. And sometimes that play can can really trigger some some things like the verisimilitudes just sort of falls away. Sure. And suddenly I'm in the revolution. I'm about to be assassinated. <laughs> now, I, um, I I was wondering, Tom, yeah. in, in this light, you say you enjoy escape rooms. Yes. So I'm going to ask you right now. Would okay. you volunteer to go with a friend to a local escape room in Los Angeles before the season of this show is over and record and share a little bit of your experience with us? Of course. Uh, is this a trick? No, it's real. <laughs> it's legit. OK. Yes, I would. I would absolutely do that. That's that's really good, Tom, because I have an escape room. I, 
It's right <laughs> up your alley. Not only that, in the lists of best escape rooms, and I mean people who have done escape rooms around the world, they actually say that this escape room is number one on the list of escape really? rooms in the world, like on the planet. Really? Yes. Okay. And it is in Los Angeles. In fact, I used uh, on the fancy uh, Google Maps. I don't know if this is a feature you know about. You can get directions on Google Maps between two locations, and it's 22 minutes from your house. Really? <laughs> Wait, this is really sounding like a trap. Well, is it? Are there ants involved? <laughs> there are not ants have involved. You, have you somehow locked me in my own apartment? Just, just and I don't a, know. Just, just take a brief uh, listen, if you will, here. Okay. You've been kidnapped by a madman. He's locked you in the basement. You will have a set amount of time to find all of his keys. Decipher all of his clues and solve all of his puzzles before he comes back to finish the job. Whoa, 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 come back. Come back, come back, come back. Right there, right there, what's that? It is the Basement L.A. World, the Basement L.A. World-renowned escape room, The Basement. And not only that, they have four rooms, and all of these rooms are connected to one another. So The Basement is, in fact, Chapter 1, where you and up to ten other people are locked in this basement, and a serial killer has kidnapped you, and you have to get out of the basement before he comes back to have his way with you. The second you're stuck in the elevator shaft, the third you find <laughs> you find your way to the study. Uh, and, and so all of these are connected. They're part of a larger horror narrative that I felt I saw this and I thought there is no one else that that I know who needs to do this uh, more than I Tom. I am a hundred percent in. I am that so glad. Seems awesome. I, I <laughs> the have, basement, L.A. Yes, I've never heard of it. Okay. Yes, I am so so glad to hear you're in on this and that you. I think you and need to go with someone and uh, yes. tell us tell us the story of your experience with the basement, L.A. Uh, really glad because I've already purchased the gift card for you to go and do this experience uh, <laughs> really? on behalf of the show. Yes. Yes. Thanks, Two Santa. tickets That's for wonderful. you and a friend to go to this game. <laughs> and you get a serial killer and you get a serial killer. <laughs> Today's regret, Pete, this actually happened to me many years ago, but it still bothers me every time I go grocery shopping. Uh, I had walked with friends to a liquor store and we were walking to a party. I was in charge of bringing a bottle of vodka and ice. So I was carrying two plastic bags, one with a bottle of vodka, the other with a bag of ice. And along the walk, I, for no reason at all, decided to break up the ice in the bag against a stone wall I was passing by. (laughs) And any guesses what happened next? Oh, God. The crashing of glass. Yes, it was the vodka bag instead, and it shattered and drenched my pants with booze. And I had to walk all the way back to the store in my booze pants to buy another bottle, thus the rest of the money I had for the night. This was a long time ago. So this has caused me to be weirdly overprotective of glass in bags to this day because I have anxiety about somehow like getting like smashing a spaghetti sauce against a car or something, trying to break up ice that was never there. So I regret that. (laughs) Hey, I'm so cool. Look at me swinging this Yeah, and it's just like everyone immediately knew and everyone looked at me like, what? Oh, God, I knew before you even... (laughs) Of course. Of course. 
Tom, here's something you won't regret. Today's oh, okay. podcast is brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash scent of a podcast. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your mm. iPhone, Android, Kindle, any of your uh, audio uh, devices. And mm-hmm. I, I have a book, you know, I'm talking about uh, these escape rooms, and yeah. th- there's only one book that comes to mind that I think needs to be an escape room. And that is, of course, the story of one of the most famous true stories of the Great War, The Great Escape. Tells the story of how more than 600 men in a German prisoner of war camp worked together to achieve an extraordinary breakout. Uh, they dug tunnels, they they forged passports, they drew maps, they faked weapons, they <laughs> stowed uniforms. It was amazing uh, the job they undertook to get out of this prison camp. It is an incredible uh, book, an incredible read uh, by author Paul Brickhill. If you've seen the movie The Great Escape, you absolutely owe it to yourself to listen to the book. You cannot lose. Terrific. But you can choose whatever book you want. That's the beauty of Audible. Get whatever book you want. Download it. Keep it forever. If you don't like Audible as a service, you cancel it. You keep the book. AudibleTrial.com slash scent of a podcast. When I go to that escape room, I'm going to be listening to The Great Escape on my... (laughs) It's a terrible idea. That's not going to work out. Don't do that. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Thanks, Audible. Pete, it is my pleasure to once again offer up a listener submission. Bum, bum, yes, uh, this one is was written to us by Seth, and it is uh, on an email, and I will read it now. A few years ago, I got a very expensive ticket from a traffic light camera as I mildly drove through a red light. Red light <laughs> cameras are spread out throughout Culver City. Perrin, they were outlawed in Los Angeles proper, and so I am always super nervous about driving near the cameras. I often stop earlier than I need to at yellow lights, which makes people behind me annoyed, drives my wife crazy as the passenger in my car, and it generally gives me anxiety. When I got my ticket, they sent me a photograph in the mail of me and my car committing the traffic crime. So now whenever I go through a red light where I think there is a camera, I drive through quickly, yell, ah, and take my hands and cover my face as if someone just threw acid on me. It is clearly a horrible system that does nothing, but I have a theory that if the camera takes a picture of me, they won't be able to see my face, and I will say, huh, I don't recognize the driver. It's not me. Perfect plan, huh? Okay. (laughs) Red light cameras. Yes, they are the worst. Thank you very much, first and foremost, Seth, for uh, setting that up. I wanted to, I have not actually gotten a red light camera ticket before so i wanted to find out just how expensive this ticket could have been i did a little bit of research in the fine for a red light violation california vehicle code 21453 is $490 whoa it is wow. the highest in the entire country for almost $500 for one for going through a yellow that turns red wow. so absolutely that should cause people anxiety that's ridiculous pete I just said that I don't have personal experience with it, so I can't really talk about myself that much. Do you tense up at all at red light camera intersections? I I do, and I also have this thing, maybe it's related, where I am always looking for cameras, and I auto, like, I'll find an object at a red light, and I'll automatically assume that's a camera, even if it looks like, I don't know, 
a bird. Stop sign. Like, yeah. Like, it'll be a complete... I'm like, oh, it's a that's, camera the, bird. that's the camera. It's an agent. Uh, there's some sort of... They've disguised them now. So I, I do tense up. I have gotten one of these, but it wasn't a red light camera. It was a, It was just a, a speed camera, right? You know, it was a... Like, I, I, I don't know if I was driving, like, through a church zone and... and was or going too church. fast. I was driving, <laughs> I was driving right through the narthex <laughs> of the yeah. church, and uh, they had a camera. And uh, anyway, so they got it, and they got my face, and I had the shades on, and I looked good. Oh, and they made me pay for okay. it. Uh, but it wasn't four hundred dollars. It was. I remember it was spendy at the time, though. It was like two twenty or something. I mean, it was. It was. Yeah. You know, inflation and all that whatnot. Sure. Well, we'll be talking about the money in a little bit, but. Our listener is correct in saying that red light cameras were removed from much of Southern California after they grew controversial because the big question was, do they work? Officials over and over again claimed that red light cameras were reducing the number of accidents. But in a landmark report, reporter David Goldstein from KCAL CBS2 filed a report in 2009 that told a different story. We looked at every accident at all 32 red light camera intersections for six months before the cameras were installed and six months after. The final figures, 20 of the 32 intersections show accidents up after the cameras were installed. Three remain the same. Only nine intersections showed accidents decreasing. At Manchester and Figueroa, accidents more than tripled from five before the cameras were installed to 16 afterward. Westward and Wilshire tripled from three to nine. And Rodeo and La Brea, collisions nearly tripled from seven six months before the cameras were installed to 20 in the same period afterwards. The reason? People see the light flash and they slam on their brake. That's just human nature. And as a result, more accidents, re-render accidents. That's so good. It almost feels like uh, Angelinos. Can I say that? Being an outsider, Angelinos, uh, that they saw the cameras and are like, "Screw this! I'm going to hit everything." <laughs> Might as well. Uh, real quick, before we continue, here's two quick things that I'm going to deliver in a reporter's voice. First, he said Westward and Wilshire. It's pronounced Westwood. Westwood. There's no R in it. And if you watch the report, they even show the sign. So I have no idea how he got that wrong. And just a bit of trivia, Rodeo Road, which, by the way, is different from the famous Rodeo Drive, is now called Obama Boulevard. Doing this voice is exhausting. All right, good. Yes, I, it is like the Angelino. When this report came out, it was a really big deal. Um, and they go on to say that, yeah, uh, back to the accidents. The reason they happen is uh, the one that our listener listed in the submission that Seth said either drivers see the flash and instinctively hit their brakes or they don't want to risk such an expensive ticket and stop short during the yellow. Both of those scenarios end up with being hit from behind. Absolutely. So. If you had to guess, if it's not about safety, what's it really about, Pete? I'm going to say that somebody's keeping score at the police station. What do you mean? Like this is some huge interactive game? No, but don't you always hear about quotas and things? Like they want to write more tickets to get more revenue and stuff like that. Revenue. Okay, I see what you're doing. Yes, correct. It is clearly money. Uh, for instance, uh, and this is all over the country, between 2003 and 2016, Chicago raked in over $600 million dollars. From wow. red light ticket cameras. And in California, in Oakland, one single red light camera was generating over $3 million every year. Oh, my goodness. One, just by itself. That camera must be 
like so full of itself. <laughs> <I would> take, <laughs> like, like if Pixar made a movie about red light cameras, he would be the bully camera that was mean to our hero camera who never took any pictures because he didn't want people to get in trouble. <laughs> Three million dollars from one camera. God, That's you ridiculous. Know, there's a thing though, like this whole sort of. It, I can see how these decisions get made, right, from a management yeah. perspective, and I have to tell you, like I sort of feel. For the people who have to make that decision, because these are people who have to look and say, you know, how we have to say goodbye to substantial revenue. And that revenue drives projects that we are now not going to be able to do. Some of those projects may actually really benefit the city. I see what you're saying. But if it's based on false science yes, and false I, statistics, that drains my feeling bad for it. Yeah. Because yeah. I, th- they have said over and over again uh, when the cameras were up that there really were stopping intersection collisions. And it's just not true. Yeah. Uh, I know this doesn't help what you're saying about taking the money away, but the solution has been there forever. The Department of Transportation itself has maintained for years and years that there is a real way to present red light accidents. Oh, do you want to guess what it is? I was going to say more roundabouts, but now I feel like that's wrong. That is wrong. Although roundabouts are supposed to be incredible. They're supposed to be the savior of everything. They are. And you can go really fast. You can. Uh, well, OK. <laughs> I think you're starting to miss the point. I just go around and around. I'll spend an afternoon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's uh, yellow. let the yellow light stay on longer. It uh, gives drivers yeah. more of a chance for drivers to see it and decide how they want to handle it. They have said that for forever. Yet, mysteriously, some states with red light cameras after they installed the red light cameras were found to have reduced the length of the yellow lights. <laughs> of course Because more tickets and more money. Diabolical. The system's corrupt. Uh, Attica. Yes. The worst. Okay, the I take worst. back everything I said. I don't feel bad about them at all. Right? Come well, on. Th- this, I'm going to push it a little bit more uh, to make you feel bad. And this is related to what Seth wrote. If you remember, uh, uh, Seth said that he holds his eyes in front of his face and screams when he goes through a red light because he says they won't have a clear image of him. So no ticket, right? <laughs> no, well, I, I, have that. I find that hard to believe. He's actually not wrong. In California, if they don't have a clear picket pick of you, then the normal ticket is invalidated. But you can be sent something widely called a snitch ticket. This is not a real ticket, but it looks like exactly like one, but just without a photo included. Now, actually, you are not required to respond to them, but the red light camera company and the police are really hoping you will. Because once you admit you were the driver or name the person who was, a real ticket is issued. Thus, you've snitched on yourself. Oh, my God. It hurts my heart. On the side of right, since 2014, snitch tickets now are required to say this is only a courtesy notice on the top in very small writing. (laughs) Okay. So what we're saying is, Seth, you could probably there are probably better ways to do this than covering your face with your hands. And I'm going to suggest you invest in a uh, a rubber uh, Schwarzenegger mask. Oh, interesting. Then you don't yep. have to cover your eyes, right? And you're giving a little salute to the former governor. <laughs> Just a little. And go, give a little salute as you're going through. <laughs> you should also actually give a salute. Yes. Yeah, instead of your hands at 10 and 2, just 10 and a little how 10 do you and do? a salute. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And then you're you're sort of like thanking the police for doing everything they can to be jerks. <laughs> it's the it is the worst. I can't I can't I can't believe that how it makes me feel. 
<laughs> this whole story. I don't know what we do here. I mean, I know there are cameras in Portland, and I know that uh, I, I know that it's it's allowed and legal, and there are cameras everywhere. I don't know about the the snitch ticket thing. It makes me think I need to get uh, uh, start looking for masks too, probably. Yeah, or really, really read your mail, or throw all your mail or away. Don't right. That's another thing. If you throw everything away, they can't prove that you got anything. Win win. Yeah. <laughs> And then you can get rid of that pesky house. And <laughs> then I'll be living in Forest Park. See you exactly. later, kids. When you don't make up your car payments, you don't have to worry about those red light cameras anymore. <laughs> oh, what a solution. Thank you all so much for joining us for this episode. Today's tune is Over Easy by Low Light. Coming up next week... I don't want to be the guy who clucked like a chicken and and was the guy who didn't believe. <laughs> Either that would way, be the it worst. Sounds like a fail. <laughs> you just know they just came from like Jack in the Box or something. Like I know. That. <laughs> no, yeah, right. I'm I can sure smell the heart. I can hear the Hardies on your voice. <laughs> and then I peed on it. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm not kidding you. Wait. Yeah. Questions. <laughs> I know. I knew it was. I knew. Until then, I'm Tommy Metz the Third, and I'm Pete Wright. Thank you for downloading. We'll be back next week on What's That Smell? Too many answers, but all we need is questions. You ain't giving this a chance to burn its light. Cause I'm coming up strong.